What is up, Longhorn fans? Welcome to the Texas Sports Unfiltered postgame show. It is following the Longhorns' massive win over Alabama and Tuscaloosa tonight. It's a game that we all have been looking forward to for pretty much a calendar year. To get that retribution, understanding that while you lose some valuable guys off the 2022 roster, it felt like things were setting up where you might be able to accomplish more in 2023. And the second game of the season was going to get, was going to provide you, I guess I should say, a great gauge of what this team might be able to accomplish in 2023. And sure enough, The Texas Longhorns, despite, I might argue, not even necessarily playing their A game at times, they win this one going away. 34-24 over the number three Crimson Tide. I am Trey Elling. Kevin Dunn will be joining me in just a few minutes. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I was champing at the bit to get on the YouTubes to talk to you people, to hear what you have to say, just where you are right now after getting to watch that victory by the Longhorns. And it was slower in the first half. Defenses really mucking up what the offense was trying to do. Texas obviously had some nice moments some missed opportunities as well. But man, the floodgates opened for both teams in the second half. But here's the thing. Even though I see see James Gamble here letting us know how he's doing on the YouTube comments line, he is shwasted. Have another one, James. Have another one. It is that sort of night. But the floodgates open in the second half. Both offenses start to do some good things, getting into the end zone even. You saw the stat. ESPN showed something like four touchdowns in four minutes, two by each team. Here's the thing, though. Texas was also making defensive plays at times during that stretch of offense, whereas Alabama really was not. And the Texas offense took Steve Sarkeesian's mantra, all gas, no breaks, to heart, and laid it on Alabama in the fourth quarter. And that included... A game-killing drive there at the end, too, where they had a couple of third downs. They pick up a big first down on a Jonathan Brooks run, and then Alabama, uncharacteristically, although if you watch the last two Texas games, it's been very characteristic for them to commit penalties, commit another penalty to essentially seal the game by handing the Longhorns one more first down. And here we are, Texas fans. You are going to find yourselves in the polls. Now, it is the third poll of the college football season, so let's temper our excitement here. But you are going to find yourselves well within the top 10 come Monday. Most likely somewhere in the top five. Because you not only beat Alabama, you beat Alabama double digits in Tuscaloosa. And that certainly matters for something right now. Who are you most impressed with tonight? I want to hear from you on the YouTube comments line. Daryl says our boy is growing up. 
shedding a tear for number three. And Quinn Ewer, sure. He still has his flaws as a thrower, doesn't he? Doesn't like stepping into a lot of balls, including downfield balls. But, ironically, just after ESPN shows a stat of just how bad Quinn Ewers has been at throwing the deep ball, going back to last season, he hits Xavier Worthy on a deep ball. Huge catch by Worthy. Impressive catch by Worthy. Coming off of him dropping what would have been a first down on, I think it was the previous drive when Texas was deep in Alabama territory. But he catches this one and kind of kicks the defensive back off as he is securing the ball and settling in the end zone. And that was the start of something special tonight for the Longhorns. BK has to make a drunk experience, according to Quad Standard Labs. I don't know. We'll see. He might. Show us your heifers. Boom shakalaka. Thank you, Houston Horns 91. Let's go. Let's go indeed. Carl, Texas fight. Hell freaking yes, man. Love the commentary, folks. Welcome back into the YouTube chat room, Jay Ward. You seem to be here for every freaking show. It's you and CB. You may be the new CB, although CB is here quite a bit as well. Chris Martin says, D-line and O-line, bravo. You're right about that. In the first half, I wasn't that thrilled with what the D-line was doing, but they were holding their own. But they certainly stepped up in the second half and made plays. How about Anthony Hill, by the way? And oh, a guy that I was openly questioning during the week, Ethan Burke. Ethan Burke, have yourself a freaking game, man. Ethan Burke comes up with some big stops, a couple big sacks, and is part of that cumulative effort by that Texas defensive line in really helping them to do what it took at times. Now, they weren't perfect, far from it. This Texas defense gives up 24 points. There were some tackling issues at times, especially on what I think was Alabama's last touchdown. But for the most part, this defense did their damn job. And if he gives me a thumbs up now from... I guess what we call backstage here on StreamYard. I will let my guy KD in to strike up the conversation. Yeah, there are a lot of pumped up people on the comments line. I'm just going to let you in and we'll see. You ready to go, buddy? My mic is not muted. You cannot hear me just yet, huh? <laughs> My mic is not muted right now. Kevin can't hear that, though. Let me text him real quick. It's fun taking care of these backstage issues in front of you people. But I think you'll bear with me right now. Texas Longhorns win 34-24. to And yes, people are all sorts of jacked up on the YouTube comments line. Oh, the play by Brooks to save that fourth down. Yeah, look, that was a huge play. Unfortunately, Texas failed on fourth down. I think that very next set of downs, but that was massive. And I'm glad they got that call right too, by the way. That was the correct call. I can understand how initially you would think that Quinn Ewers had the football. He did not, though. It was evident on replay, and they got that play right. So tip of the cap to the refs on that particular play. I will say this. 
there's not even really a reason to bring this up. And Kevin and I will talk about it here a little bit more when he's on, but this could have been a much uglier win in terms of the margin of victory for the Longhorns. Bama was getting away with some serious holds at times where their guys were behind the Texas defender and pretty much had a, an arm wrapped around the top of the chest and nothing was getting called. There were moments like that that kept either pressures or sacks or tackles for a loss or tackles right at the line of scrimmage from happening. Ultimately, it didn't matter, though. And that's a great feeling. That's, I think for the most part, it was a fairly called game. And the Texas Longhorns were the better football team tonight. They were the more physical football team, too, throughout the course of the evening. Now, both teams, especially defensively, I think started wearing down because it was such a physical first half. But Texas maintained their focus, and they were ultimately able to get it done. Lupe, you said the Rangers win too. I have not checked baseball scores today. I'm going to assume that you're lying right now. There's no way the Texas Rangers won a game in September. I don't think they're going to win another game until the 2024 season gets going. If that was a Big 12 crew, no way. Texas got that fumble call right. Yeah, you're probably right about that. And it could be because the refs are working against Texas, or it could be because Big 12 refs are just that incompetent, right? KS says, Bucky called it. Someone was going to win by double digits, but he didn't know who. I actually said the same thing to Kevin a little bit earlier. I went with my crazy screaming producer prediction when BK and Zay were doing pregame a little bit earlier at Covert B Cave. But my real prediction is I think either Texas wins this game by double digits or Bama does. For some reason, I didn't think it would be a close game. And I thought that there was a better chance for the Longhorns to do that than Alabama. I'd gone back and forth a little bit this week. But for the most part, I was sticking with my laurels that this is a game that Texas could and should win. And sure enough, they freaking did. And even if I predicted it, I'm still a little bit surprised right now because the Longhorns, well, they haven't played many games like this in the recent past, but they certainly haven't won these sorts of games. We've gone over Steve Sarkeesian's record in these types of games against ranked opponents, conference opponents on the road. No, Bama's not officially a conference opponent just yet, but it was going to be that sort of environment and then some because after all, it is Bama and the SEC versus Big 12 road games. There are decent environments in the Big 12 Nothing compared to what you face game in and game out on the road in the Southeastern Conference. But that is Texas reality starting next year. And I'd say that this is a good way to get them them really going on the right foot heading into that new conference next season. Now, here's the thing, though. We're going to celebrate tonight. We're going to keep talking about everything that we loved about this game. But the reality is, is that you need to be able to put this behind you if you're this Longhorn football team in the next couple of days and get focused on the next one. You don't want Wyoming to trip you up. We saw what they did to Texas Tech last weekend. I don't think that'll happen again, but you got to stay focused. And then you have Baylor after that in Waco, a Baylor football team that took What, number 13, Utah, down to the wire? They probably should have won that game, but they end up losing it in pretty heartbreaking fashion. I feel so bad for Baylor fans right now, don't you? No, you don't. Actually, I don't either. 
Yeah, Ryan agrees with me. The holding no calls were a joke. They they were a joke at time at times. All right, Katie is ready to go here, so I am going to pop him in now. What up, man? How we doing? Only bad part of my night, man. And we have to figure out this microphone. You and BK know that I'm <clears throat> I'm not good at this stuff, but there's something else going on. But I don't care about that right now. I'm this is 98 Nebraska. This is 87 Arkansas. This is 90 Oklahoma. Um, like I'm uh, that was an up and down emotional roller coaster. And <clears throat> I'll give you credit. We talked before. Um, and yes, Ryan, you and I went back and forth on Twitter. The holding calls were insane. And I mean, flagrant stuff, stuff where you're piggybacking someone. Um, so we'll get into all that. We've got the whole week and definitely I'll go as late as you want tonight. I'm already losing my voice. You can probably tell. Um, and was not like at a big watch party either. So um, that was that was epic, you know, and um, it was it was it was really cool to see <clears throat> all the Texas players fight like that. And really, it's 13-6 at halftime. And. Texas played a better 30 minutes, and it felt like we've seen this before, right? This is going to be 23-20 Bama, and we walk out, and we can't say it too much because you don't want to be sour grapes, but you're like, hey, man, we were the better team. And um, it uh, just the fact they, they won it the way they did and finished it off, was that was cool. Yeah, there was a moment in the second half where Alabama took their very first lead. And yep. I said to myself, all right, this is what we've been talking about for the last right. couple of weeks and really all offseason now. You've taken a top five opponent's best punch. They have just regained the lead at home. Their crowd has worked up into a frenzy. Now is the time for you to show a sort of resilience. Yep. Not just on offense, by the way, but the defense was obviously going to eventually have to get back out there too. And the next two series – I think showed us everything that we needed to see in that moment, even though it was a bit of a back and forth affair after that, in terms of touchdowns being traded off where Texas drives down, scores a touchdown to regain the lead. And that very next offensive series, the guy who gets burned on the, uh, the long touchdown for Alabama, Jaron Thompson, he gets turned around. It was a nice route. He probably got a little bit too turned around. He committed to turning inside when he probably should have kept backpedaling for another step or two. But he comes up with an enormous interception that is not only a turnover, but it flips the field and gives that Longhorns offense the ball back inside the Alabama 20. Yeah, and he wouldn't even like spying or disguising it. It was uh, a Milrow mistake, but that's part of playing Milrow. So Alabama has their own issues. But to play Alabama twice and say that you lost by one and played with them like Texas did for two years in a row makes me feel a lot more comfortable heading into uh, the SEC, but also just where this whole thing's going right now. They could have lost tonight. I still would have been proud of the effort, but there's been for too long now, too many should have, would have, could have. Um, they weren't finishing plays off when they were winning 90% or 95% of the play. You beat someone one-on-one -on -one in, in pass pro and you get to the quarterback, I know it's Milrow. He's slippery, he's athletic, he's hard to get down, and he's hard to contain. Um, I know catching a football is really tough. But you win the route, and it's there, the ball's there, like finish the play. 
and 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 they just didn't did that do that in the first half, and they did in the second half, and it was. Um, my phone's blown up, uh, as I'm sure yours is, and um, you know th- this could be a turning of the tide. Not Texas is back, but more affirmation for people that really follow the program and know a lot of these kids. I mean, I can tell you from working with these kids for the last year, every single day they thought about this game, and they did every single thing in the morning, in in the night, and uh, yeah, no, it's it's, uh, it's pretty damn cool, dude. Yeah, the Texas offensive line, by the way, because I know that you are familiar with a number of those dudes, speaking of yeah. guys you worked with. What an effort by those guys. I mean, they showed the stat at some point in the second half where the Texas D-line had pressured Milrow something like 11 times, and Quinn Ewers had faced one pressure up to that point. I don't know if Quinn Ewers was actually officially sacked on the night, but that group, look, it was tough sledding for the Longhorn rushing attack. You yeah. expected that to be the case. But the fact that they were able to not only keep Quinn Ewers upright, but really allow a lot of clean pockets to give him a chance to work through his progressions. And he did a better job of that tonight than he did in week one against Rice or a lot of last season, too. Quinn Ewers was better than I ever saw him at South Lake Carroll. And a lot of that was potential in release, the quick release and the arm strength and certain balls he could throw. Um, in a great program too, but Quinn Ewers grew up tonight. I mean, there, there were you could say three touchdowns that were dropped. Um, definitely one on Worthy. That's four points. Worthy also made an incredibly tough catch. People that have never played football or played receiver have no or played center field or anything or shortstop. And you're I don't, they have no idea how tough that catch. It was a great ball. It was over the top, and that's another adjustment. Ewers put more air on his deep balls. You know, they're getting better. They're growing. And for Worthy to catch that and miss the other one, and then, you know, the other Worthy one's tough. I know a lot of people are going to get on him, but when you are – when your vision is right here and the guy's got perfect coverage, it's the best ball Quinn Ewers has ever thrown in his life, by the way. That was the the touch on the right side, Paul, that yours or that Worthy probably could have had. His vision is a hand, and that's it, and the ball just comes in. So yeah. I, I really don't blame that. Brooke should have had the other one. With all that said, this could have been a blowout. It doesn't matter. It's, it, if they win by one for the program, where the program has been, um, this will validate a lot of stuff with recruiting and everything. It, this is huge, man. I mean, we – I'm not a big overstate guy, and neither are you. There's not a lot of stuff we can overstate tonight unless we go test score on it. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to say that. Yeah, the, the other worthy drop that you mentioned up the right side that could have been a touchdown, you're right. That ball practically went through the defender's hand. So at that point, you're getting, yourself, you're getting yourself ready for a tip drill to see if the ball – either pops up in the air or shoots down really quickly. I don't fault him for that one at all. And on that first touchdown catch, equally impressive to him actually grabbing and holding onto that football was how quickly he kind of kicked the defensive back off of him as yep. he was coming up to celebrate too. Yep, totally agree. Um, no, I mean, it was, you know, it was, uh, it was a hell of an effort. I was worried early on. So actually getting back to just to tie all this together and we'll get into the actual game and, and break it down. But um, you and I talked probably 10 minutes before the game, right? 
you're driving yes. back to Covert and shout out to Dan and, and the great Covert family who's, who's uh, part of our family. But you and I had kind of been around, around Justin Wells, that it's a coin toss game in a 23-21 game. Were we not most of the week as we're evolving and thinking about it? Yeah. That's what it but felt like. I, I always try and gauge people like you, and I've got uh, luckily a lot of them that are Texas fans, but objective and know their stuff. And I go, dude, I, I, you know, what's your take on this? You go, Texas wins by double digits, probably 10. And I said, I'm glad you said that. I'm feeling the same way, and I don't want to be a homer. And it, you know, you and I have been wrong a ton, but it kind of turned out that way. And Bucky had said it apparently earlier, and I agree with you and him the more I looked at the matchup, it's probably Alabama wins by 10 or Texas does. And it didn't feel that way for most of the game. No, it's weird. It's It started to feel like it was going to be one of those games that ended up with like five or six lead changes by the end. Mm-hmm. But, boy, this was a paradox for, for Nick Saban because you think about that last Alabama drive before the half, I think it was going to be a no-brainer for him if they hadn't driven the ball down the field and had a chance to score a touchdown, ultimately they settle for that last second field goal. I'm almost positive Nick Saban would have gone to Ty Simpson to start the second half. Yep. But because Milrose showed something there, he was almost forced to see what he could do for him the next couple of drives. And he kept doing enough throughout the third quarter into the fourth quarter that he could never pull the trigger on that change and part of that probably has to do with Nick Saban not having a ton of confidence in the guys behind Milrow on top of yeah. him trying to let Milrow go through some growing pains too. You and Justin, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I've got a transition in my life and I love doing this and I want to do this, but I want to be really cool with the people who trust me and I trust them. So um, I tried to tell y'all kind of without getting into it, that there were people that are, that, or high level or play for Alabama that had nothing against all three of them, but they were trying to figure out their offense. Like, like Texas was figuring out their, you know, edge edged game or right guard, you know I mean? There was, there was more doubt in that program or in that team and not doubt with the talent or the character, just, you know, where we are as a team, which is totally fair for week two and usually not an Alabama deal. But I knew that, that obviously things in practice in the spring were not going Bryce Young to a Mac Jones style. And that showed, I mean, he hit the one to Burton and you mentioned Jaron Thompson getting turned around. That was actually more scheme to me the way it was dialed up because that should have been a cornerback. I think it was either probably his boundary. So probably Ryan Watts who played very well, by the way, um, on him or his Jade. And then Jaron has to go to man-to-man and shift down. And you've got Burton running a really good route on a safety. Um, That's usually going to be a mismatch. And it was. So, you know, Alabama made a couple plays, but their run game really scared me the most early on. Because I told you about Booker, and we know about Latham. The left tackle is huge. And if they start weighing on Texas, my biggest issue after possession two was how deep is Texas defensive line? We're going to find out. And I had a couple things that I won't go 100% on to where the season changes, but 
it, it made me a lot more optimistic about where Texas is and the depth of the defensive line, the offensive line, figuring all that out, which I, I figured they would. Um, but mainly Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers played better than he ever has tonight, and his numbers don't even reflect how good he was. He had a couple – his last possession in the first half went on second down, he got happy feet, and his footwork got fucked up, and he should have hit Sanders for a first down. And then the next play on third down, he hit a guy low, and most, most quarterbacks, they just feel that. And he actually threw a pretty good ball to Worthy, and I love some of the angles we get from ESPN now because you see it from a quarterback's angle and not our up top where you go, whoa, there were no windows there. That actually wasn't a bad ball. Quinn Ewers played phenomenal tonight, and he was poised for, for, for that game when it was up and down. I was uh, – like, I'm, I'm pretty bullish right now. Look, the four best games of Quinn Ewers' career here at Texas, the Alabama game last year before he gets knocked out, the Oklahoma game, the Alamo Bowl against a really good Washington team, and obviously yeah, the Huskies win right. that game. And then the Alabama game tonight. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that at least right now, Quinn Ewers plays his best football when the lights are brightest. And there's something to be said about that. Like, yeah, the guy's footwork sucks. If he decides to go pro after this year. It didn't tonight the whole time, though. Right. I mean, it but, did at times, but it didn't tonight. Like it, it felt cleaned up. He he did step into a couple of downfield throws tonight. And I was so happy to see that, but there were still so many, like he doesn't, he doesn't care to set his feet. Cause oftentimes he doesn't have to. And as a result of that, you would see him sail some balls. Like he got lucky one time that I can remember where Xavier worthy tried to go way up to catch the ball. And it, he ends up getting it into his hands, but it kind of drops down to the ground. If Xavier Worthy didn't make an insanely athletic play right there, there was an Alabama defensive back waiting for that football who may very well have been to take it, been able to take it the other way for six. Was that but, the third down? Was that third down last possession first half I'm talking about for them? Yeah, I, I think that's what it was. On yeah, was it, side, a little bit of a like skinny post. So, yeah, exactly. It was. Uh, yeah. Worthy was probably about seven to ten yards downfield. So, but, but though, I agree. But I'm also telling you, and those, those were the two footwork things I was talking about. The down before was the worst one. Um, but they showed the the all 22 angle, which coaches want. You know, I don't think people realize what his vision is and what he sees. There was not much of a window. He actually had to go up because I think 13 was coming back, and he had to get it over and it was a one chance. I agree with you. You don't want to take chances, especially in that spot. They got away with only giving up three, but um, overall, considering where he's been, I was super pleased. Now I think Kirk Herbstreit hit the nail on the head at the very end of that. And that is how does Texas deal with prosperity? And I think they've proven even the last year, they can play with any, almost, almost anyone. And Alabama's pretty much anyone. Uh, to get up for that game. But how do you deal with Wyoming next week? And um, I, JT Sanders made a lot of money tonight. A.D. Mitchell showed up, which we thought he would. He missed a cornerback blitz block that pisses me off. But as a receiver, he was great. Whittington showed up. Sanders showed up. Xavier, at the end of the day, showed up. 
Um, the offensive line played pretty well. The defensive line held their shit throughout most of the game, even when they're giving up chunks at times um, and not containing. I mean, there are things to fix, but man, I mean, they, they just went in there and were the better team against Alabama. And everyone in the country who knows their stuff, who's not, has no dog in the fight, knows that. And they probably knew it at halftime. Is there an obvious defensive MVP to you, Kevin? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oof. Not an, probably not an obvious one. Um, I will say, as the only person on radio, and I don't remember recruiting people talking about him, that Ethan Burke is where I thought he may be in a year. I didn't want to put any more pressure on him. I know that you know that. I mean, he had like a Rice scholarship, and I'm watching him every week at Westlake, and I'm thinking. Like, he's not a guy who's going to come in next year, and you've got to put good weight on him. But with that bend, and and I'm telling you, man, every week at Westlake, he would almost get an interception, like on a screen pass. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it was mind, it was athleticism, it was body, it was reach. And he, he started to get to that point. I mean, the fact he showed up the way he did was awesome. Byron Murphy got held 19 times. By held, I mean was taken hostage in a room with a gun to his head as they're grabbing his shirt. Um, so he could have been uh, the defense overall, but, I mean, is it Burke probably? Burke is a strong possibility, and I need to eat some crow on that one because I thought this would be a game where Ethan Burke gets exposed a little bit, and he did the opposite. Now, his yep. first sack, Jalen Milrow, Kind of walked into that one, but hey, if you're Ethan Burke, you take that. You kind of held your ground there, and you saw what the quarterback was doing, and you shifted over, and were able to tackle him right there. But yeah, Ethan Burke made a ton of plays. They got a lot of production out of that edge rusher position between Ethan Burke and then Anthony Hill. I give you credit on that, man. I, I didn't think that either guy was probably ready, and both looked ready. Yeah, Anthony Hill finished with the two sacks. He's asked to shadow to spy Jalen Milrow at times. And there were a couple of times that he got lucky because he got lost in the wash and, and found his <laughs> way back to the quarterback. But credit to him for sticking with the play and still making tackles and keeping Jalen Milrow from, go- for, from going for more yardage. So maybe the answer there is the defensive player of the game is that edge rusher position because it's been a void for so long. And yet here we are now. And our defensive player of the game is brought to you by Kenfield Golf Cars. You're in the market for a new or pre-owned golf cart. We've got good news for you. Our our friends at Kenfield Golf Cars are right around the corner. Founded in 1979, Kenfield Golf Cars have an unparalleled selection of different golf carts available and new or used. And they want to turn your golf cart ideas into a reality. Think about what Deion Sanders was doing at Cowboys training camp back in the day. Sounds like Kenfield Golf Cars can do something like that if you really want to. Check out their website, KenfieldGolfCars.com. Or for more info, 
you can go to that website or give them a call, 512-258-8515. I've given you the story about riding in Dion's cart when I was working at KOBJ and I was 16 years old and looked second and a half trimester. Um, I mean, you know, I'm still living in Bama. Uh, like I, I, I was young looking and, um, and was trying to get interviews for KLBJ to get tape. And Dion had the bends, the decked out deal and probably thought, Oh, I was like some student intern, which technically I would have been, I would have been going in my junior year in high school. So, and, um, and took me back in the back as he's bumping music to go do the interview in the AC as he's uh, getting Gatorade. So there you go. And speaking of Dion, Dion's a guy who got beat a lot and he had such great makeup speed. And that's what Anthony Hill had. He got lost in the wash, got over aggressive, let his eyes go too a little too, too much and lost contain. Boy, being talented's great, isn't it? He was able to overcome a lot of that. And at times, a Baron Sorrell or someone would pull them up a little bit to give him time to get back. Yeah, we talked about what Texas would do in terms of spying Jalen Milrow. I don't remember this being talked about a ton this week, but oftentimes Texas was just running that zone where you had a couple of guys. You had at least one guy in the flats and another guy not too far behind him as an additional spy there if he were to break contain. And by the way, you're right. Anthony Hill has the athleticism to uh, to get lost a little bit and make that yeah. up. Because we saw an example of that not working out very well. When David Benda, I think it was one of the few times he was asked to spy Jalen Milrow, he gets sucked into the middle. And then Jalen Milrow, he, Benda had no chance catching him as Milrow got to the edge, picked up a first down and something like 15 yards before it was all said and done. I got to be honest, so after, I mean, since 09 on, um, I mean, I trust all the, or most of the reporters and the really good ones who we talk to. Um, but I just wouldn't buy in the defensive line was where it's at. I told you that this week and that I was worried about the depth. I was worried about they could hold up. I was worried about the edge, the starters. And uh, I was worried about Anthony Hill even coming off the edge on third and 11. Not worried about that as much, but. Having him be that guy, um, I was really impressed. And it, it may say more about more about Bama down the road. I doubt that. I mean, what's a down year for Bama this year? I mean, they're going to make a change at quarterback. Milrow's not the guy. And he throws – funny thing is, throws a pretty good deep ball. And that was the word about him. And he threw one, obviously, to, to Burton, hit Isaiah Bond on one on that third and 17 hit Kobe Prentice a lot. I'll give Kobe a lot of love. I was glad to see him not glad, but um, happy for him to see how he played, but Milrose, not the guy, right? I don't think so. He had a couple of nice intermediate balls too, by the way, but there were oh. a lot of bad balls in between for him, unfortunately. And you can just tell that they are limited in what they can do offensively because as has been talked about all week, if he doesn't have his first read, his second read is to look to run. Yep. And maybe occasionally he keeps a play alive by scrambling out of the pocket on those rare moments where his eyes go back upfield and he finds a guy who has broken his route off and is just running in the direction he is and is open as a result. But he's still got a ways to go in terms of development at that position to win games consistently against good defenses. 
Yeah, I mean, I, w- I, w- I would tell him right now, Jalen Hurts, the reason that I'm eating crow right now and probably will for the next 20 years, 30 years, and you win some, you lose some. So just be honest about it and own it on both sides. Um, yeah. Yeah. That he was a one-read guy who couldn't push the ball down the field. This yep. is a one-read guy that really can't do a lot of the other stuff, and he pushes it down the field erratically. But he can throw some balls where you go, whoa. I mean, the ball of Burton was a good ball. The ball of Bond that he caught was a really good ball. Uh, but he also had a running back open on a, hey, we got you, Kwiatkowski. And Tommy Reese got you. little chess match, and that's a touchdown. And blew it. I mean, Texas also caught some breaks like that, you know. Boy, <laughs> I saw yeah. that play. I saw that bro. play happening. I yeah, saw him going, going out towards McClellan, and I'm like, oh, my God, he is yeah. gone. And well, then I, saw, I saw they were in man, and I saw it was 33, and David played well. <clears throat> I thought his hustle on the sack was indicative kind of, of what this team and culture has turned into, that, you know, we've seen too many Texas guys maybe get cut down and not get up like a, like a green beret and still go after it. And he made the sack. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and nothing against David Benda. I don't want any linebacker in that situation. And so he was wide ass open and Jalen couldn't hit it. Yeah. Look, Benda had a nice moment with that sack. I actually thought he was the, I think he was probably the worst player on defense tonight. I, I, I hate to got it yeah. a kid on such a celebratory win like this. And Keaton Crawford, had his moments in coverage, but I thought David Benda was a guy that they were able to expose more often than just about anybody else out there. Agreed. Keaton Crawford had his time in special teams where he played really well. Like well, he, he, he's yeah. a valuable player for this team. And that's what all these guys have to learn in the NIL world that it's going to take time. It may not be your time right now. I mean, honestly, another guy who we got on and I, I love the death. Uh, DJ Campbell played a lot better. Um, oh, that's good. See, I, I cannot pay attention to the offensive line during games. That's that's one of those things that I have to go back and watch. That's good to hear that he got some opportunities and made the most of it. Well, I've got to go back, and I've got a, an appointment that will last until, I think, 3 a.m., which is I don't stay up that late anywhere near there. You know me. Like, a lot of times I'm, a, I'm asleep right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But thank you so much because this Saturday was a lot more enjoyable for me, not just because Texas beat Bama and because AM lost, which that does help. But I was able to watch a lot of stuff throughout the day because you helped me out with the whole ESPN Spectrum deal. And uh, it was fun. It was just fun to watch games all day. But you know me, I'm going to watch this thing and probably watch the important plays 20 times, probably watch the game twice tonight. I can do that with the deal we have set up, right? Like it's recorded and all good to go. Cause that's yeah. why I have cable. I have cable. I'll pay the extra money, which is stupid just to be able to go rewatch them. Yes. It will allow you to do that. You may need to go to my profile though, but I have it set up where every Longhorn football game is recorded. And Are I you don't be watching games at 2 a.m. Am I? God, no. I would be asleep right now if I wasn't doing a post game. Beautiful. It's been a long day. So that that one is all you, buddy. If you need that access code, just let me know when we're done. 
at whatever point we're done tonight. Back to the. So you- if it goes off and I call you at one thirty, and you get you wouldn't, but if Justine gets pissy, put her on the phone with me. That actually, won't be a, that won't be a, that won't be a problem because I don't sleep with my phone in the bedroom. Oh, I thought I thought you were gonna say I don't sleep with my wife. Well, bring bring the phone in, all right, just in case. This is emergency stuff. I'm not. Look, we can. No, handle, I've got surgery, okay? We can handle this. <laughs> we can handle this at the end of the broadcast if you want to. I don't actually shoot. I do need to have my phone in the room tomorrow because I have to be up early. So congratulations, my phone's going to be in the room tonight. You lucked out. You. I want it on or at least vibrating. I mean, at least give Justine something tonight. <laughs> well. Look, you don't know what's going to happen. I want to ask you, how happy are you? Um, I mean, are, are, are you happy right now? Like, I mean, I, I know you're happy, but like, where do you put any of this with stuff I talked about? Whether it's, you know, I mean, like the first real big Texas win for me that I remember, um, which is sad because like, I was, we were at the very beginning, man, when 83 and 84, when we first started watching and probably remembering a little bit, but not enough, um, it just started to go downhill. So like literally 87 Arkansas, the Tony Jones, Brett Stafford game, you know, that was a top 10 team and we had to listen to it on the radio because it was tape delay. And then 89, Oklahoma, 90, Oklahoma really that whole run. But I mean, you think about our first 10 years, like looking back on it, like they weren't, they weren't games like this, you know, they weren't Texas beating Michigan in 04, Texas going to Bama. And now Bama is 52 and two in their last 54 home games. This is the best college dynasty, modern day dynasty of all time, whether it's at the end, we'll find out. But, uh, and it, they're probably not at the end, but right now they feel like that because of their offense. Like this, this was huge. Like where does this stack? Yeah. I don't know where Bama is headed right now. I mean, Nick Saban is still at the helm. So you assume that he's going to figure it out, but you can't be devoid of playmakers on the outside. And they've got guys who might get there eventually, but it's dudes who are all trying to develop at the same time. And you don't have that alpha at wide receiver right now to go along with the fact that you don't have a quarterback that you can trust. So well, I think it's, yeah. well, it's good. That defense was worn down in the second half. Texas defense was worn down in the second half because it was such a physical contest and they had done their job so well up to a certain point. Yeah. But this is a huge moment. I was trying to think of the last road game that I was able to enjoy Texas winning this much. You know, you think back to, that Notre Dame game, Malik Jefferson's freshman year, that was an awful game. The USC game, Sam Ellinger's freshman year maybe or sophomore year, I think it was his freshman year, that was a loss. It was a close game, but it was still a loss. I think the last time that I enjoyed a road win this much for the Longhorns. I know where you're going. I know where you're going. Especially out of conference play would have been, what do you think, that Ohio State game in 05? 2005 Ohio State. It's a, It's the best road win of our lifetime. Because of what it turned into. So this one will, will match that if Texas goes on and wins the national championship. But it was two versus five. Um, and that Ohio State team was loaded. And, and yeah, I mean, that, that's the best road win in our lifetime for Texas, period. Uh, 
you can get into maybe some story about, you know, but my aunt was at this one and I'm like, all right, yeah, Ohio State's the best one. But this was huge. And also you got to remember that was at the peak. That was just trying to get to the top of Mount Everest um, and setting yourself up to do that and not die. This is kind of the hardest thing, which is also why I go back to 98 Nebraska. That was Mac's first year. We, we were trying to get out of, of Akers, McWilliams, Makovic, and I think all three, certainly Makovic, gave something to the program, which probably built to that. But there's something about being at the very beginning of the you know, reclamation and, and really the, the building of the project or when the project got blew up. And that, that's what, you know, hopefully tonight will be. We'll see. I mean, Texas is going to have to deal with prosperity, deal with success, and um, stay healthy and also adjust. There's going to be some team throw some junk defense at it for a quarter. Um, but the fact that Bama – and Bama played hard, man. I thought this game felt like a 1997 game physically early on. Dude, there were hits on both sides where I thought, don't go targeting. And I could tell the officials were like, we got two big boys. We got two big fan bases. Let it go. Yeah, because even when Texas was finding success moving the football, it's like somebody would catch a ball and go 10 yards for a first down. And he would deliver, but also take a shot from the Alabama defender yeah. at the same time. And that happened, I want to say, five or six times in the first quarter. Where it was yeah, like, it buckle up, guys, because this is not just going to be the rest of this game. This is what your future conference play is going to look like, too, more often than not. Which is also why I love the attitude. These guys embraced it. And there was a C.J. Baxter play in the first half where he probably got one of those flat routes he was getting. And that flat route ended up, this is where Sark's very good. Sark called some great plays today, y'all. Um do I have three or four that I disagree with? Yeah. And that's called play calling and, and second guessing. But overall, he was really good. But the ball where you hit T, uh, JT Sanders on the three-play 75-yard drive, maybe the most important drive of the game, that long one, that was opened up because of the flats and how much Texas had been going to the running back and Baxter there. And it brought up a safety and opened up all that green grass. And Sanders is able to catch and run. There was, you know, some yak in this game. But with the physicality, there wasn't as much as you may see in current college day football. But, yeah, I mean, that, that was opened up. But Baxter in the first half caught a ball in the flats. And I think it was Malachi Moore, one of those guys. And I mean both delivered a blow. And and they're both talking to each other and yapping after. And I thought, yeah, this is big boy football. And I, I'm all good with it. This is not uh, kindergarten. We don't need to we don't need to go too woke on this. No, I'm glad they did not do that. Going back to the clean cause YouTube comments line. How about John? Great way to celebrate oh, man. Birthday. birthday. Happy birthday, John. The W in Tuscaloosa. Is the best gift I got. Yeah, happy to share that one with you, John. Happy birthday, and thank you for chiming in here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. The offensive MVP is Quinn Ewers, correct? I mean, you look at the numbers, 24-38, 349. 
three touchdowns, zero turnovers. Once again, a zero turnover game, which is something we talked about with Rice. To do it against Rice is one thing. To limit the turnovers to zero against Alabama will help go a long ways in keeping your team in the way in the game. But if you put up the rest of the performance that he did, then yeah, you probably earn yourself that game ball. Yeah, well, he also had four or five drops, and and even balls that weren't technically dropped. Because I'll give Worthy on the fade down the right sideline. Um, you know, if you've never played football, then you may go. You're gonna catch the. And look, Worthy also still has to deal with the whole hand issue, or at least that that being the narrative on on him from the NFL people, right? You're you're talking about how he drops the football, not the broken hand issue from last year. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, which you and I have also said that felt like cover. Maybe it wouldn't. Um, But, yeah, no, his hands. I mean, that that is – no one's asking about his 40-timer fast twitch. You may get into the body stuff, but with Devontae Smith and the fact that you can't touch receivers in the NFL anymore, that's not going to be as big of an issue. It's about the hands. And he'll still have to answer that. Um, But there were a lot of drops. I don't get on his one as much because if you go back and look at it, he's right here and there's a hand right here and a guy who had perfect coverage. It was just a perfect football. It was an NFL football we'll we'll watch tomorrow. It was an Aaron Rodgers like back shoulder fade. It wasn't back shoulder fade, but those that type of ball with perfect coverage. Yeah, You know, he just, he didn't get the vision on it. Um, So there were drops in there. I mean, those numbers could look Shadur Sanders, um, that type of stuff where you're talking about this guy's a Heisman front runner, which is stupid and weak too. But he played even better than that. His composure, stepping up in the pocket. I mean, in the second half on a third down, they only rushed four, so they're dropping seven. And he steps up, felt the pocket, stepped up, and hit Whittington. And once again, that all 22 showed you that was a really tough ball. Whittington goes up. Yeah. Probably should have caught it. Tough catch. Contested, or at least a hand there. And you got to go up and turn around. But it was the only ball he could have thrown. Like, even incompletions, he looked really good. I, I and It's the deep ball, too. He's putting more air under it, um, which means that he's seeing they're working on stuff that's moving in the right direction. I mean, the punt that he gave to Worthy for the touchdown, that was Russell Wilson-esque. That was fucking great. That was a moon ball. It really was. Like, I thought the defender was going to have a chance at that ball because it was thrown so high, but it was still perfectly thrown. So if he needs to throw it at high... To put it on the money, so be it. You're right. I, I like that you mentioned that Whittington throw too, because when we were talking about the high worthy throw earlier, and you mentioned that that's where he had to put the football. Ultimately, the answer might be you don't throw that ball because it's it's so high risk because of the defensive back standing behind the guy. But you're right. If he puts it anywhere because there was a defender in front of Worthy, it's there. Same thing with Whittington. There was a defender directly in front of Jordan Whittington, so he had to put that ball high. And he also knows Whittington has the athleticism to have a chance to catch that ball. Right. What the- didn't come down with it. No, you're right. I mean, that is one of those where it's probably game to game, and I don't want them to lose their alpha dog. Let's go get them. Let's let's go kill people and finish it off and 
letter of nuts hang. Um, I couldn't sleep last night. You know me. Like, I mean, I've, one, I've treated people well, which I'm not putting rat poison in water. So hopefully all you corporate fuckers are, are not sleeping well because of that. But like, <laughs> I sleep well. Like, I mean, like when I'm ready to go, like my head hits a pillow and I'm out. And I couldn't sleep last night. And at 45, I mean, I love Texas, but usually there are not many games. It's not like every Friday I'm doing that. Like, you know, God, I hope we can be Matt Campbell and Iowa State tomorrow. Um, but this one felt just really big. And so I tweeted last night and I was like, ah, that's a good thing about Twitter. You're bored. It's like, yeah, I'll engage with some friends and just bullshit, you know? But I was like, just let your nuts hang and go play. And they did. I mean, they, they really let them hang. Maybe you get a situation where you're in a game where you don't let that ball go, but I really like the mentality and the aggressiveness and the approach that Sark and Texas took, dude, you're Bama. You're the best dynasty ever. We're Texas. We're back. We're, you know, we've been a laughing stock nationally for 10 years. So we're coming in. And I will say this in my lifetime with Texas football and baseball, certainly Texas baseball, they've almost never been this, but Texas football, 96 Nebraska, 98, um, uh, it was a 98, uh, 98 Nebraska and 96 Nebraska, Oklahoma throughout the whole late 80s, Arkansas when they were good in top 10, Texas would upset them. Texas can be quite the bitch when they've got the right talent and they're moving in the right direction and they're the underdog. And and so I know that's not been the case if you're 19 right now. I'm like, what's this old guy talking about? Go back and look at it. And it felt like the Texas program was finally at that spot where they had enough of their shit together and obviously the talent that for them to come in as a seven-point dog, but even more than that nationally with the perception, you could tell those guys wanted to, to prove something. And I, I know that. I mean, I know enough of those guys that they thought about this game every fucking day. I'm glad, I'm glad it ate at them because that – Focus and effort showed. And while Texas can be a big problem when they are at a certain point in their history as an underrated team, they're not going to be underrated the rest of the way. They will be favored no. in every game the rest of the way. So now it's time for them to get used to something that has been the case every year since I think the beginning of time. And that is them having a larger target on their backs than any other opponent on whoever it is that they're playing on a given week. Yeah. You are all of a the sudden their conference championship game, their national championship game, however you want to phrase it. Everybody in this conference wants to beat Texas that much worse now because you beat the team that beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. By the way, Quinn Ewers is our offensive player of the game. That is sponsored by Verde's Mexican Parilla located on Hamilton Pool Road off of 71 in beautiful Spicewood, Texas. Verde's is serving up an extensive menu of all your traditional Mexican and Tex-Mex favorites. Got beautiful indoor dining that makes for a great date night. Outside, they have a covered patio with a ton of space for the whole family. You got a huge grass area for football, frisbee, and games for everyone to enjoy. They'd be happy to host your party or cater your next event as well. Go see him. It's Verde's Mexican Parilla. For a guy who I don't think speaks a lick of Spanish, 
Hola, como estas? Um, that was pretty well done. Parilla? Poquito. poquito. Un poquito. Poquito. Yeah, you've got a poquito, all right. <laughs> That's why you got to have the phone on vibrate for Justine tonight and for me especially, okay? By the way, I forget what it's called. If something when... goes wrong, you know I'm going to be calling you a bunch. By the way, I forget what it's called. Yeah, I forget what it's called when uh, when people donate money during these live broadcasts. But we've gotten a bunch of these tonight. We uh, should be getting those. I no, saw Brian. Brian ninety-nine. This may be Mama Keller here with the super sticker for ten bucks. Sal four ninety-nine. Ryan ten bucks. Jay Ward four ninety-nine. Thank you so much, folks. No, thank you. And by the way, I will be making sure I talk to BK. I trust you and BK more than I do most people, which is probably a huge mistake. I'm sure you guys have been cahooting against me and talking shit against me like all fucking human beings do because you can't just be singular humans and actually treat people well. We got to turn into like this big crew. Um, I would like to respond to that by saying, go fuck yourself. <laughs> no, no. No, but I'm talking. I'm talking with BK because we need a cut on this, all right? Daddy, da daddy, daddy wants to eat well tomorrow. Uh, yeah. You know what? I have no idea what happens to this money, but I will be following up with BK. It after. goes to charity. That's right. It goes to charity. Charity. By charity. I mean Katie's Chinatown Fund. Hey, look, that's charity. Good charity. That is a good charity. That is a charity that is uh, greatly appreciated, considering how often. You go to Chinatown and how much business you brought there over the years. Yeah, we could get Ronnie Chang on. I'm trying to think there's so much stuff. I mean, we've got so here's a next sweat stain on my gray t-shirt. No, that's not a oh, that must just be shadows or something. I see what you're talking about here. This right hey, here is that, is, that, is that Mike Torres, the former USC infielder who transferred down to Texas, was on the 09 team? Mike, you tell me. Former USC infielder who transferred to Texas in 09. Yeah. Did you play baseball at Texas? Are you that Michael Torres? It was Michael Torres, but he could go by Mike now. I like how you went mini bio on his college baseball career, which I expect nothing less. Thank you for doing uh, I've got I've got more on the bio than that, but we'll keep it there. Oh, I know you do. <laughs> oh man. Hey, so so I think JT made a I mean, hate to look at it this way, but JT Sanders, you know, we talked about that, that a, a, a different tight end, and Bama certainly knows this with Irv Smith and the different guys they've had, that in games like this, a guy like that can get lost in drag coverage and um, on seam routes and or can occupy safeties on seam routes and occupy DBs where they know we can't just have a linebacker on them, like they talked about Benda, and that was actually their running back. JT was a huge difference, and so was A.D. Mitchell in this game. Um, and Whittington actually made some really good plays. Uh, but those three guys, we didn't see Naor, and probably shows you the, the depth of Texas, but JT especially made a ton of money tonight, but also showed you just how special he can be. Yes, he did. By the way, no way. We gave you some love. Thank you so much. You donated a hundred bucks. No. That was incredible. No way. Thank you. Thank You're you. Getting... No way. 
I think it's Noe, probably, but I don't know. Maybe Noe. How about Mr. Hinojosa? I'm going first name here. We're, I'm going Mr. Hinojosa when he gives that much and he's listening to us. All right. I think we're at the uh, we're at the two level with no way, and not the uh, the Usted level with no way. That would be my guess right now. Questioning, right. My, questioning my Spanish knowledge. How dare yeah. you? What did you say I wasn't paying you, attention at all. And you're probably a guy who uses Vosotros, so that's all I was saying. <laughs> Fucking gringo. <laughs> <laughs> what was the point you were just making about running backs? Um, no, it was more the receivers, and boy, you really weren't listening. No, I wasn't. Um, yeah, JT Sanders, just how big of a difference. When you have a tight end like that, who's that dynamic, can also block really well. So he's not a, just a flex guy and a, a souped-up, you know, wide receiver with a bigger body. This guy can still block, and for him to be able – to, to, I mean, what did he have? I mean, shit, he probably had, oh, he was four catches for like, what was it, one? Da, 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 da. He had five catches for 114 yards, man. Five for 114, yeah. yeah. Mitchell had three for 78, two touchdowns. That guy just makes big catches. Yeah, yeah no, Damian Sanders, he does. He's a, he's a difference maker. I mean, there's a reason why we were saying, look, I guess he's not first-team All-American this year because Brock Bowers is who he is, but – you're a damn fool if you don't think he's the second best tight end of the country, or at least in that conversation. Like he is right. that much of a physical specimen. And I understand that he is a willing blocker at times. I also see him not try for blocks at times, but when he wants to, he's a big enough body that it doesn't take an insane effort or perfect leverage or better than perfect leverage to get a good block. He can just stand in front of a dude. And that guy is all of a sudden dealing with a major issue going after the football but the fact that he is that good of a pass catcher and he gets upfield so quickly afterwards at that size is just something that we need to appreciate as Longhorn fans for another 10 plus games. Because yep. I think right now out of everybody who's projected to be a, fu a future first round or future NFL draft pick, and you take Kelvin Banks out of the conversation because he's not going to be until – uh, class of 25 or draft class of 25, I should say. But for the guys, way, the two of us said what you're about to say months ago, but when we first came on the air, what a month, month and a half ago. So this is not us being prisoner of the moment for the five catches for 114. No, it I mean, validated what you're about to say. No, the guys set records last year. Like people are finding out more about him now because he had this huge game against Alabama. But this has been JT Sanders going back to high school. Like he is the most pro ready and most likely guy to get drafted in the first round right now. That may continue to change if Quinn Ewers just goes off this season and lights the Big 12 on fire and Texas wins a conference championship and is in the conversation for college football playoff or even makes it to the college football playoff. Obviously, and he's Quinn, a quarterback. He's a quarterback, exactly. So yeah. that's going to make a big difference. But Jatavian Sanders is he's special folks so enjoy him for another 10 plus games because he is not going to be here next year it's also why you always have to go back with history and be like he was the second team all-american consensus yeah he was also taken 15th in the nfl draft i had more nfl people that i've been working with who were hitting me up saying bro you were right this guy and but they were already on him like Right now, if it, if the draft was tomorrow, and there's a lot of what-ifs with that, but there's also a lot to build with that, 
JT Sanders will be a first round pick. Mm-hmm. Maybe probably second team All American first round pick. So I'll, I'll I'll take as many second and third team All Americans that are first to third rounders and laugh at it and be like, dude, we had nothing but sec- second team All Americans. Guess what? We're Fifteen and zero. Not that this team will, but you put enough of those together with that much NFL talent, you're going to be good. Well, Jatavian Sanders' longest pass play of the night could be considered for play of the game. And there are a bunch of different options here. I feel like the play of the game was Quinn Ewer's second deep ball to A.D. Mitchell with a little bit more than eight minutes left in the fourth quarter that essentially – it didn't seal the game for Texas because you were only up by 10 and Bama does still have a ton of time on the clock, but that was the last score of the game. So that's what I'm giving my offensive play of the game tonight, Kevin, that 39 yard touchdown pass to AD Mitchell. Do you have a different play that you consider to be the play of the game? I mean, like usual, you and I disagree enough, but we can be cool about it and have fun with it. So hopefully it's good radio to people and and good podcasting, but, um, Usually on this stuff, we usually are pretty close. And I, yeah, there are other options, but no, that's the one. I mean, that three-play 75-yard drive, those three plays were the most three important because right after you get a pick. And yeah, at that point, they come back and the third and 17, you know, I mean, the bad tackling and the space cadet stuff that happened, which did it used to happen all the fucking time with this team was not happening and it happened on one defensive possession. Okay. Um, clean that up and it'll happen. But uh, th- those three plays and that one to finish it off were the most important. That was another deep ball too, where as I'm looking at it and seeing the air and looking at AD and know how fast he is. I'm like, I don't know if he can catch up to it. Same thing with Xavier, but there was enough. Cause a lot of, a lot of Quinn's balls, deep balls that I've looked at, just with my eyesight on TV, so everyone's probably different, but I think a lot of us probably see this and have watched a ton. You can tell by the trajectory right away that it's going to be either too flat, too hard, too long, right? Not a problem you and I have ever been confused with. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, he, he put more air under it and really allowed them to go be athletes and run under it. And at times, he's also put probably too much air under it to where it's been it's holding him up so he he obviously was feeling it today it was good stuff yes and the uh right before he hits xavier worthy on that first deep ball he had thrown one that it looked like it wasn't a terrible ball it just looked like ad mitchell did not go in enough on that now there was a second alabama defender there so maybe that's part of the reason why but you could see quinn looking downfield a little bit frustrated that the receiver hadn't gone to his left a little bit more to try and get that ball. ESPN flashes a stat at that point that shows how bad Quinn yours had been yeah. throwing deep balls. 22% on passes of 20 plus air yards. One twenty. Uh, let me test my memory. 128 out of 135 qualifying FBS guys. Yep. Since 2022 and it was poetic because almost ex- like a play or two after that, he hits Xavier Worthy on that very first touchdown of the game. Yeah. You know, we're talking about proverbial monkeys uh, being shoved off of the backs of Steve Sarkeesian, of this Texas football team, and of other individuals too. 
hopefully this puts to rest the issue that Quinn has had connecting downfield. Like this yeah. is like a turning point for that, for sure. And if that happens to go along with everything else that this Texas offense does well in terms of shorter yardage or some of the in- intermediate stuff, then all of a sudden the playbook opens up that much more for Steve Sarkeesian. 100%. Um, yeah, no, it reminded me, uh, a lot of our viewers probably hate this, but 94 when Steve Young beat the Chargers, Stefani, we have to go back to kids don't know now. Steve Young was getting shit forever, right? You know, you're following the best quarterback of all time at that point. And, and he was a runner at BYU, a runner at Tampa, really a runner early on in San Francisco. And when he won that game and really beat the Cowboys in the 94 NFC Championship game, which if Barry Switzer would not have taken a timeout, they would have won and won four in a row. I can tell you that as a Niners fan. So appreciate you. Got us 21-3, and that was holding on in the second half. Um, but, he, you know, literally had – he said, like, take the monkey off my back. And, obviously, Quinn's not going to do that, nor should he, going 2-0. and But it, it, it felt like that. I mean, it, with the deep ball especially. So, he's still – he's got to remain consistent and try and it's hard at any age, but certainly that age, say, hey, I had a great day, but try and get a little bit better tomorrow and and next week and um i got a better feeling about this team doing that this year than than i have in a long time yeah i agree with you on that one by the way the offensive play of the game is brought to you by hat creek burger company hat creek is celebrating its 15th birthday this month really wow you know they're owned and operated and started by a texas ex drew gressett To celebrate the 15th birthday, they've got an awesome promo going on. This copy says through Labor Day, so now I'm wondering if I need fresh copy here. However, Hat Creek is an awesome place to go to. Give it another week. We'll go ahead and promise it. Another week. Burger and fries and a shake. It's a great spot to take the kids to. My kids love going to pretty much every Hat Creek because they've got a great playground area. You can find out for yourself all over town, really all over the state as well. Hat Creek Burger Company, a proud sponsor of Texas Sports Unfiltered. The pre shows. <laughs> well, so I sent you this because you're not a big Blues Brothers fan, but John Candy's the best, right? And it was the uh, I forgot what, what they were called, but when he's got the the uh, the two other agents up there, and the Blues Brothers were playing actually at the Southside Chicago Country Club. Funny enough, where, where my dad was around there. And um, you know, I'll, I'll use milkshake because I forgot whatever. You know, it was Orange Whip. And they sit down and the two cops are there. And he goes, Orange Whip, Orange Whip. And they both are. They look to the waiter and he goes, three Orange Whips. Three milkshakes for all y'all. At Hat Creek, just tell Drew and the, and the fam that train. I said it's cool. Dude, that birthday cake shake is it's something special. Yeah. I went no, through it. I went through a cheat day today because I'm uh, doing a very stupid diet to lose a few pounds, but uh, it gives me one day to do whatever I want to today. And I am, I'm pretty stuffed to the gills, but man, I could definitely crush a birthday cake shake from Hat Creek. What was your, what was your cheat day? Like a banana and and, uh, a, a chocolate power protein bar? (laughs) No, right. No, no, no. You you forget that you uh talk to a you're talking to a former fat kid right now. So I know how to go fat kid when given the opportunity. So it started with a couple of 
uh, bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit sandwiches this morning for breakfast, for lunch. Okay. I, did a, uh, I did one of the large subs from Ike's Loving Sandwiches. Nice. The chips, a chocolate chip cookie. For dinner, I crushed a pizza from Slapbox Pizzeria over off of um, Palmer and Avery Ranch. And there was a little bit of salad also, not that big of a deal. But then I did a large ice salad cream. Salad on cheat day? Our, and I did a large ice cream from Scoop and Score to uh, wash it all down, as well as a couple of glasses of wine. So, yeah. I'm, okay, I, I'm impressed. It's not most of our cheat days. Most of our cheat days, you know, you end up eating foie gras and going to Colombia. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I, 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 I appreciate you doing that. Hey, what else about this game? Because I know there's so much that we're going to get off in like in 10 minutes. I'm just going to call a bunch of people and say, I forgot to say this and not mean it that way, but <laughs> just get, get my thoughts out. Um, I mean, I will say like the Baron Sorrells, the Vernon Broughtons, the <clears throat> I just feel a lot better about that depth. Yeah. Yeah. This defensive line, they've got talented dudes who start and they've got guys behind them who do a more than adequate job too. By the way, Mario, I am not drunk as well. I'm happy. No, neither, neither of us are, which is sad. We actually both should be, but. Oh, I literally had a glass and a half of wine. I ate too much food to consume alcohol. It wasn't yeah. at work tonight. Plus I don't like to be I, moved up for post-game shows. It's not, it's not our style. It may be other, not, style, but it's not ours. It's not our style, but it'll be my. I mean, wasn't for doing post games for years professionally, and this is still professional. But I'll I'll, I'll be drunk on some post games here, hopefully. Oh, um, will you? I mean, I hope so. But you know me, like a game like Bama, it's too important. Like, right. I mean, I like it's just I'm, I'm gonna pour a couple of drinks here and rewatch this for three hours. So I'm gonna be getting drunker later tonight than I have in years. So. Trust me, it's coming, but for games like that, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just, there's too much stuff to actually look at, you know? <laughs> Mario said he was talking to somebody else. You said he was talking to El Chorizo. Who is, <laughs> oh, El Chorizo is a little bit higher on the Clean Cause YouTube comments line. My apologies, Mario, for assuming that you're <laughs> me after talking about drinking wine, but I'm glad you guys are enjoying yourselves. Well, no, I will say this with my texts and tweets. I don't know if you're getting it right now. And there are a lot of people in Bama. One thing else I'm kind of proud about and definitely expected this is that, man, we apparently we showed out in Tuscaloosa. And I've got, you know, Chris Kopachek, got to give him a shout out. I got buddies all over Tuscaloosa and Alabama people too. Um, a couple of players' parents texted me and said, "We can't believe how much burnt orange has been here. Everyone's been super cool. Sounded like it was a pretty copacetic, peaceful environment, and uh, we'll see if that lasts tonight." But yeah, Texas fans showed up and and were loud, and I'm glad our band was there too. Texas fans do, yeah. The band was sitting at the top of the stadium, so we we've gone eye for an eye there. So yep. once SEC play starts next year, Texas has to allow the opposing bands back into the lower bowl. I think the fan tickets also go in the lower bowl too. That's fine, guys. That's what the rule is. That means we get those same rules when we travel, which we do travel well, to other locations across the conference. <clears throat> I really don't have FOMO most of my life. I usually have phobia. <clears throat> 
fear of being included. Um, <laughs> which you know that about me. Like I've got, you know, I usually I'm much more a phobie guy than FOMO guy. But like with all my friends there tonight and getting videos and pictures, I thought I, I love watching games either at a watch party or at home or next week I'll be the suite, which should be fun for Wyoming. Um, but I, I don't like traveling to do all that is not, you know, she doesn't really fit me, but man, I had some FOMO tonight, especially as things started to unravel a little bit. Yeah. Unravel well, for Bama. I was supposed to be at this game. It was going to be leaving at like five 30 this morning from Austin yep. and then flying back at like six 30 tomorrow morning, flying in and out of Nashville, by the way. So it was a three and a half hour drive on top of flying but i literally found first class tickets that were 40 dollars more expensive than economy within the last two weeks and so bought the tickets now i still have the travel vouchers but i got tickets face value too that were on the 30 yard line 45 rows up but the universe was telling me that it was a better idea not to go yeah today for a variety of reasons i didn't it's not the level of regret of not going to the national championship game in early 2006, which is one of the few things that I will regret for the rest of my life. But I'm pretty pissed off that I am not in Tuscaloosa right now, or I guess leaving Tuscaloosa to head back to Nashville. Yeah, I am too. I mean, it's funny, even the 05 game, I haven't like looked back on and thought uh, I should have been there. Um, it means enough to me to, be at home and and I think also being able to do this and it's one of the you know Twitter's got a lot of negative aspects and you got to be careful with it and don't let it run your life but there's a lot of great things too it creates community with people you would never talk to or never meet or never really engage with and of like-minded stuff so it you know it, I wish I would have been there but I think we're going to be okay um you know, the, the, the fact that we had a, we were able to do this and talk with people and, um, but yeah, I'm getting videos right now and, uh, they're going to be some, some dudes tearing up and chicks. Cause Rocky and Megan are texting me too, like tearing up Tuscaloosa. It, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a good night and a fun night. And I really hope the team celebrates this the way they should for 24 hours, but man, the whole 24 hour rule, there's no way you're just going to celebrate it for 24 hours. And there's no way I think you should just do that. But publicly and emotionally, at least within your team, within earshot and, and visibility, try and really move on because that has been the biggest issue with this program. They've had big wins. I mean, they beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, a top five team in 2017 or top whatever team, right? who ended up was a few years away from having the best dynasty right now. So you're not as far off as you think. I think there's probably other things within the culture and Sark knows this and that the players know it to where this week against Wyoming and moving forward, you know, you end up losing four or five games after this game. Most of the country and most of your fan base will say that's a disappointment. You can probably look back to how you didn't get better from this point on. I'd like to think that this team can take the stoic mindset of their coach and have a short memory because success can derail you as if not easier 
than failure? I would say easier. It just depends on the person because failure right. is failure can be hard, especially if you don't possess grit, if you don't have that resilience to get back up when you're knocked down. But to echo the point that you just made, we have watched 14 years of the Longhorns just gaining a hint of success, letting it go to their heads, and then destroying that goodwill within a couple of weeks. Yep. I don't think that's going to happen the next couple of weeks. I don't think that Wyoming is going to beat Texas. I'm not going to take it for granted, though. But I'm assuming that this team has a short memory and focuses on Wyoming starting probably at some point tomorrow, but certainly by Monday. And then the Baylor game doesn't worry me nearly as much now, especially with Blake shaping out. But that Kansas team, Kevin, they're going to throw something special at this Texas defense. So the offense needs to be ready to go to get into a, a, a little bit of a shootout. Because let's remember that Kansas game is also the week before Oklahoma too. So yeah. it's going to be an interesting stretch, another great test for this team after Wyoming and at Baylor, of course. Yeah, it will. Um, and Shapen, I, I know it was two to three weeks last week, so maybe right around that time, he's probably not completely healthy. They almost pulled that off today. Um, and thanks to you, I could watch that. Um, and so Utah, who also had a backup quarterback, ended up pulling that out late. But, I mean, it's all about how you deal with success. I will say the Jalen Ford, it's funny that PTSD you get being a fan, right? And the the Jalen Ford, first off, should have had a sack. Then you got, I think, Sorrell chasing him. Oh, just out of reach. <laughs> and Milrow lets it go. And Jalen Ford, of all people, there's one dude, certainly as a linebacker, but shit, maybe in the whole, on the whole defense. So I'm like, he'll catch it, is Jalen Ford. And it wasn't off the chest. It was but he catches that ball and it goes into his hands. And I thought, man, you, you know, I look at the football gods, not God, the football gods and just said, really, you know, really? I mean, are you gotta be, there's a flag on the field. I go, Oh, there's no way. Like they're not going to call holding. I know that. Um, but you know, a man downfield and they ended up getting three out of that. But even when there were some times where I thought, man, we're just going to get screwed or not, and screw ourselves um, as much as anything, like we usually do or have, uh, they were able to get around it. But even then, I hope getting back to your point with these guys can flush stuff, I hope they're pissed about stuff. Yeah. I hope they go watch film tomorrow and look at three touchdown passes that were dropped and a missed field goal and said, wait, so that's three points. And then the other ones we got field goals on, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, three points and could have been seven. And then we had eight points from the other two because we got field goals, but they should have been touchdowns and thought, man, this should have been a blowout. We should have been laughing like the Canes did in the 90s in the fourth quarter, you know, with a chain on and talking shit to the crowd. Um, and I, trust me, I'm all good with them winning 34-24. I'm just trying to hopefully get into their mindset, their mindset where they can look at stuff. There's a, still a lot of stuff to clean up, which also makes me as a fan super pumped. They went in Tuscaloosa and won 34-24, and 
and they weren't anywhere near perfect. They played their ass off and put their balls on the table. So that start there, but there's still stuff to clean up. Dre. There is, but uh, overall you celebrate the, you know, we talk about blowing Bama out, beating Bama by 10 points in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> That is a blowout. I know it's probably not officially a blowout versus what you think about. You can against most teams. (laughs) Right. Right. So it could have been even uglier than that. So I'm thinking of two different plays right now that can serve as our moonshine patio bar and grill defensive play of the game. And I'm wondering if you select either of those for your defensive player of the game. Defensive player of the game. Didn't we already do defensive play, play of the game? Play oh, of the play game. Play of the game. Um, I mean, you can obviously go to Jaron Thompson's pick. Milro just gave it to him. Okay. That's one of them. I mean, so it was not. Um, what else would have been? Duh, duh, duh. I don't know. What's your other one? Uh, my other one would have been. In the fourth quarter, would it have been Alabama's last play from scrimmage other than a punt? So it was their very final drive. It was a third and 10 from their own 20. And Jalen Milrow is sacked by Anthony Hill. I guess Jeray Bledsoe ends up getting a yeah, uh, maybe perhaps sack on that one too. But yeah. it's a loss of eight. Bama has no choice but to punt it right there. And then Texas chews the clock out after that. So yep. that yeah. was the, the game ceiling play for me. And so I guess that will be our moonshine defensive play of the game. All right, buddy. Um, you get everything out? Well, we do have the Paul's Motor Works final word. So what's your final word? My final word is this is uh, for any of us, we can go, I'll work 45 down because I don't want to get into the 60s and 70s when this program really took this different national turn. Um, But this is as impactful of a win as I can remember ever for Texas. And we'll see what they do from that. They're only 2-0, but Alabama is the best dynasty in modern football, college football history. They are. Um, and whether they're at the end of the run, it, it, it will find out, but I think it's very poetic that Texas had gone on this run from 98, really say 2000 to 2010 and one, one should have played for another in 08 should have won another in 09. Cause any Ubama fans know that's 24, 21 with Garrett Gilbert in the fourth quarter at that time, the way Colt was carving you fuckers up with Shipley. You guys weren't Alabama yet. You weren't. Greg McElroy threw for, what, 47 yards that game? It was not a national championship team. Neither were, actually. Um, But it's poetic that Alabama ended that run that night. And Texas, we'll see where Alabama is. And when I say in the run, do I think Bama will be five and seven this year or next year like Texas was that year in 2010? No. But you, you got the sense there was a turn and the fact that Texas is going to the SEC next year. And the last time they went on the road 
for a regular season SEC game. Think about how they looked on the lines that night and think about how they look tonight. Hmm. They're, they're turning this and um, not we're back, but they, they are turning it. And, it. and it may be here sooner than some of us thought. And I think a lot of that, you know, time expectancy was probably built on um, PTSD, like I talked about. But um, I can just tell you personally, and you know, you and I talk all the time from working with a lot of these kids, man. I've been overly impressed with this is their life. It gets back to the Augie Garrido screaming. This is our fucking life. And they treat it that way. And it, it felt like that tonight. So my final word is a two-parter. First part, is the SEC West down this year? Alabama is certainly not Alabama. LSU has major issues. We saw that on display against Florida State, even if they had a bounce-back win over a scrub opponent tonight. A&M gets their asses kicked by Miami. Great job, you. Ole Miss, I guess they take care of business against a ranked Tulane team. Mississippi State's Mississippi State. This is the rare year where the SEC West isn't all that good. Yeah. So the opportunity is there for somebody to go get beat by Georgia in the SEC championship game that first weekend in December. Yes. I, I, would, I would add two things to that. One, there was a picture of, I know you were driving, the use like, you know, the take kickoff back 98 yards and like hard rock stadiums, maybe 75% full. And that's being nice. Um, and there was like a Florida meth head, this white dude with like Jesus hair, but he had tats everywhere. He's looking at the camera and he had like some Guido, you know, East Coast buddy who's a big you guy now down there. And so I was laughing at that. I'm like, ah, and I'm like, you know, the fact that you go into that stadium and get your ass kicked. But also before that, I would take out West when you say the SEC West is down. The SEC yeah. on the whole. What's Florida? I mean, Tennessee, we'll find out. I mean, it could be Georgia and moving on from that point. What was your second point? Yeah, Tennessee has a chance, but I'm I'm actually suspicious of them and how good they are too. They were up 13-7 at half against Middle Tennessee State, or I think it was tonight, today. Oh, I hadn't seen that. I, I just saw that they won Joe by a Wilson was not carving people up. My second point is more specific to the Texas Longhorns. Folks, enjoy this win. Yeah. Remember this win. This is a win that will be burned into your brains years from now, but also understand that this is the second game of the season. There is a long ways to go. And ultimately, it's up to the players and coaches with having a short memory and moving on and focusing on that next opponent. We as fans need to try and do that too. Now we don't need to do it tomorrow or Monday. We can no, enjoy no. We can enjoy this forever. We, we don't have to do forever. that, man. But let's not hold on to it too hard. Let's let's Agreed. understand that Agreed. we need to move on to the next game. Agreed. In six days, because the yep. Longhorns host Wyoming next Saturday. It is a yep. night game. Hallelujah! Which means that Kevin and I are going to be on late doing post game. Yeah, and I, I I probably will have a couple because I'm I'm in a suite uh, with some buddies. Um, so if I don't have a couple, shoot me. But don't do that. But 
Um, it's Wyoming. And by the way, I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to watch the game tonight. And at 7 a.m. tomorrow, I'm going to get my bike ride in and flush it out. If there's any good thought I have about this game, I'm flushing it out. I need to move on as a fan, don't I? No, no, no. You missed You're like the face painter. What are you, putty here? You missed what I said. I said I know, I know. I got the game a little bit longer than than the players do, and you'll get to hold on to it forever. But also understand this season is not only going to be defined by this game. You can actually yeah. accomplish much bigger things over the yeah. next one, two, three months now, and maybe even then some too if you play well enough. So we'll keep our fingers crossed on that one, and we'll look forward to what seems like is shaping up to be a fun. 2023 to te for Texas Longhorn football. Thank you to all of our sponsors. That includes Covert Bee Cave, Altstat Beer, Clean Cause, Audiovisual Consultation, Verdes, Moonshine, Kenfield Golf Cars, and Hat Creek. Katie, thank you so much, my friends. Thank you, guys. Love y'all. And um, we'll be talking on Tuesday. Katie and I will be talking on Tuesday from 3 to 5. Thanks to all of you for watching, listening, and commenting. We do appreciate that. Texas Sports Unfiltered will be back live on Monday at 8 a.m. Bucky and BK Brighton early. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the weekend and hook them.